0: Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the 10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halastic, and I'm co founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the 5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for just unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we would even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember that the time to set up a credit line is when you don't need it. So that when you do need it, it is ready to go. And because it doesn't cost anything to set up a line of credit with us, it makes complete sense. And I wish I had had that ability to set up a line of credit for my companies 15 years ago. This option for a line of credit that's not through a traditional bank, which is usually collateralized, ours is uncollateralized, uh, is an incredible, something I would have kept in my back pocket on a consistent basis. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Rocky Lavani from Profit Comes First. Rocky serves as the Chief Profitability Officer for business owners. He teaches them how to ensure they get paid and that they can make a and how they make profit a priority. As a certified profit first professional, he implements Mike McCallowitz's profit first system. He changes the accounting formula of sales expenses, uh, sales minus expenses equals profit, to sales minus profit e- equals expenses. And we're going to get more into that today. This ensures profit comes first. P.S. It's not about money at all costs. Of course, people always come first. Rocky started with nothing when his parents immigrated to the United States when he was two years old, and his parents were in their 40s. It was his parents' second time starting over in life as they moved here to experience the American dream. In spite of a lot of struggles and his mom's passing away when Rocky was seven, he has been able to achieve financial and life success. Rocky loves to share his journey. And inspire others to achieve their dreams even faster. Rocky, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you today. I am
0: too, because you know, I, I know a little bit about the profit comes first model, and I believe in it. I think it's a really, really smart uh uh concept that is now implemented worldwide and it comes from a famous book written by Mike Michalowicz and you know I don't know how old is the book now
1: I think it came I think it was 2014 or 2011 it feels
0: longer than that um it, it, it was uh you know kind of revolutionary uh and it's been that way for a while and you know Rocky uh uh is is one of the evangelists for this concept uh and so today's topic is profit- first systems for cash flow management in business. And uh, Rocky, just you know, so we don't leave everybody hanging, let's just start off by saying what exactly in, in easy terms the profit- first system model is.
1: So if you think about back in the old days, you know your grandparents probably had a very simple system for managing their money. And you've probably heard Dave Ramsey talk about it. They would get their their cash for their pay, and they would take out a bunch of envelopes. And each envelope had a purpose. So there might be a rent envelope, and they'd put money in the rent envelope. And then there'd be a money for groceries, money for utilities. When I was a kid, people would actually save for Christmas. Like every every week, they put $5 in an envelope so that when Christmas came, they'd have the money available to spend. And when you ran out of money in an envelope, you stopped spending. You figured out, you know, how to go to the back of the cupboard and figure out how to get some more food or do something different. Well, it's the same thing for business owners. Mike created, he took that system and he modified it for business owners. And instead of using envelopes, we use bank accounts. And so every bank account has a purpose. So your first bank account is your profit account. You went into business to be profitable, right? Nobody goes into business to lose money. Your your original business plan said you were going to be profitable, but we don't set that profit aside. The next bank account is for owner's pay because the person who gets paid last in the business is normally the owner, but they're the one who took all the risks. They're the one who put up all the capital. Why should you as the business owner come last? And then there's an account for tax because the federal government wants its cut. It's their money. And too often what happens to business owners is they don't know their tax bill until sometime in April when their accountant sits down with them. And then they freak out and they're like, how am I supposed to pay that? You know, they already spent their tax money, so we put money aside for that. And then the rest of the money goes into your operating expenses. And it's from your operating expenses you truly know how much money that you have to spend. When you have a big pot of money, you'll spend it all. That's just life. It's people. It's just the way we live. And by separating the dollars and giving every dollar a purpose, then business owners are more likely to use it for the intended purpose. And there are business owners that sometimes will set up even more bank accounts that are highly specific to the way they do business.
0: Yeah. One of the reasons why I really like the profit first comes model, and uh, I am going to put a caveat here, and that is, I I think it's an attractive model for under $3 million in revenue. I think when you start getting... In larger, larger volumes. And I'll let you answer and address that later um, uh, if you have a response. Um, but I, I, you know, being an entrepreneur for almost 30 years now, I remember the first 10 years, if not even longer, where, you know, what I thought of and where a lot of my friends who are in business thought of was grow revenue, grow revenue, grow sales. Same thing, revenue sales, right? Grow sales. Just grow, 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 grow sales, and then you get hit in the face where you you've grown sales, and then you look at the end of the day, you look at your or end of the year, your profits, uh, and you realize I didn't grow my profits at all. So you know you you, you know, and then you get a little smarter, and you're like, okay, you know, am I a business to grow sales, or am I gr- business to grow profit? Now, the there as long as you have. So there, there could be some naysayers out there like uh, who will say, well, in order for me to grow my profit to be bigger, I needed to grow the sales. And there could be a strategic decision where you are saying, "I, in order for me to grow some economies to scale in my business, which means in order for me to get to a level where I can you know, have people working for me, and I can be working on my business instead of in it, I need to reach a certain amount of revenue in order to do that, and I think that's fine, but I think that decision needs to be made consciously and not because you're ignorant of the idea that profit is one of the most important things in a business so at this point, Rocky, I'll let you address the concept of of this. At what size does the profit first model change a little bit?
1: So I'll sum up everything you said. What we have a little saying, which is top line is vanity, right? And that's what everyone focuses on. Oh, I did seven figures. Bottom line is sanity and cash flow is reality, right? You don't have cash flow. I don't care what that's your sales are. You're screwed. I would say that this system works regardless of size. And so even if you've got six, eight, $10 million, it still works. The bigger you get, the harder it is to get a handle on the numbers. You get so far separated that it becomes harder and harder to see it because all you see is this big pile of money. You know, I got 10 million in sales. I can afford that. I got 10 million in sales. I can afford that. And pretty soon it's like, well, wait a minute. As you said, the year's over and there's no money unless you've got somebody specifically sitting in a seat watching that money profit first works i think even even otherwise it 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 helps you to focus so it all comes down to parkinson's law and parkinson's law basically says a business will use up all the time and money allocated so somebody comes into your office and they're like hey you're buying a service, they've got two questions, right? What's your budget and when do you need it done? Whatever you tell them the budget is and whatever you tell them the time frame, they'll make it work. If you constrain time and you constrain money, you'll figure a way out. You need to be more resourceful. You don't need more resources. And so I think that's the big case. I think a lot of times what I'm hearing you say is businesses say, I will be profitable when. That's like saying, I'm going to go to the gym when I lose weight. It doesn't work. You've got to build for profitability from day one. Now, if you have to overcome an economy of sale, which basically means you have very high fixed costs, you really need to think twice. How are you going to fund that startup period in the beginning to get through year one, two, and three, when your sales are not making you profitable. And what are you going to do to make that possible? But I think you need to be intentional with that upfront. We say profit is a habit. It's not an event. You know, It's something that you build into the way that you do things. Yeah, I think you're,
0: I'm sorry, go fish, fish what you're saying.
1: No. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a book I have behind me. It's called, uh, pools of profit in the sea of red ink. It's written by Jonathan Burns. He's an MIT professor. He evaluated large companies. So we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. And what he said is that 20 to 30% of what those companies do is profitable. 30% is unprofitable. And the rest is break even. And the problem is nobody knows where that pool of profit is because they don't have the systems and processes to figure it out. I think the same true for small businesses too. Some of the stuff you do is highly profitable and some is not, and you need to figure it out, but it's not easy to do.
0: I think you're right. I think I think the original concept when I, I knew about profit first a while ago, um, was I said, oh, that's good for smaller businesses, and but when you're bigger, I, I don't think it really applies. And but I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the you know one of the things that I uh, I had always focused in on after I kind of learned the lesson that sales and revenue isn't the the most important thing um, was that I always focused on my profit margin. You know, and if your profit margin's big enough, you you, you end up, and as long as you're collecting your receivables. You, you know, you honestly, you have a, enough cash to address those issues of paying the owner, of having a, uh, uh, enough money to pay your taxes. It's you know, it's like it's like if you were making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and you you and your and your shopping bill uh, for food is five hundred dollars a month or whatever, I, I, whatever you know, it's it's kind of not that big a deal you know, to, to pay Mm -hmm. that $500 bill shopping. It's like, Oh, it's not that I don't need to put the money in an envelope because I, I have it, you know? Um, but, but, uh, uh, but I can kind of see what you're saying about the discipline of having and knowing your numbers so well that you are Putting money aside for taxes, paying yourself a, 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 a good salary, looking at your profit margins, uh, you know, knowing uh, knowing your numbers, and I think the profit first model really helps business owners understand their numbers, which honestly is a big deal.
1: And I think Mike even says it in the books, 80% of business owners don't look at their financials. They look at their bank balance. There's probably 15% of business owners who have some clue of what's going on financially, but aren't totally sure. It's 5% of business owners know their numbers inside out and have it down which means 95% of people, this probably works for and helps them. But even if you're a larger company, you know, if you think about it, if you're a larger company, then you have larger expenses. Maybe you need to buy new uh, equipment every couple of years. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, wouldn't it be nice if every month you just swiped a little bit of money out of your revenue and put it in an account so that in three years when you need to make a $400,000 purchase, you're like, Oh look, there's four hundred thousand dollars in that account. I don't even have to think about it. I can just stroke a check. That's really what it does: is it creates those pools of money that have purpose that make it easy for you to remove the emotions from the financial decisions, and it makes it easier for you to say yes. Um, for my online guys, especially those who have to order from China right now it's brutal. Like Before they would order from China, stuff would show up. Now you got to order from China, you got six to nine months lead time. You've got to put deposits down on all of that. And you've got to make multiple orders because you need product coming in every two, three months. That's a lot of money going out the door. And so what we have them do is every time they sell stuff, they put the cost of goods immediately into a bank account so that when they need to place their next order, it's not a question of how am I going to pay for this? It's like, hey, I've got money designated to place these large orders. And it just, it makes life easy. It just takes all of the, it takes it out of your head and it puts it down into a system so you can think about your business and not worry about, do I have money to pay this or not?
0: I love case studies. I think that case studies brings, Um, intellectual education down to real life examples. So maybe you could tell me about a client that you have and where they started when you first met them and where they are now. So I've got a couple and,
1: and, you know, everyone's in different places. One of my early clients, he had the attitude of, if there's money in my bank account, I can spend it. And literally, he would sign up for all kinds of programs. He was like, oh, this looks interesting, shiny object. There's money in the bank account. Let's go do it. And he was constantly doing with this. And here you are, years in business, and you don't have any cash. You don't have wealth built up outside your business. And so what we basically did was we said, what do you really need to spend on the business? And every time you need a shiny object, you need to call me. And I will challenge you on whether you need the shiny object. And if it makes business sense, we'll do it. So literally within a very short period of time, he went from, he never struggled with money. He had plenty of it, but it was all going back out the door just as quickly it was coming in. Now, every month he looks at his bank accounts and he's like, they're growing and they're growing significantly month after month. And so it, it, it helped him to be more focused. I have another account, you you know, uh, with a lot of products that we sell, we don't have pricing power. If I'm selling brand X, you know, and people are going on the internet to buy brand X and everyone's selling it for $99, I don't have a lot of pricing power. And in most of those companies, they don't have enough margin. They are so tight to margin to be able to figure out that they really need to figure out efficiencies. And so I've had clients like that, and we've helped them shift to realize that, hey, this is always going to be like running on a treadmill. It's never going to get easy So we're figuring out how to do private label and mix that in. And instead of their margins being, you know, buying something for 50 and selling it for a 99, they're now buying stuff for 10 or 20 and selling it for 79. So their revenue actually went down, but their profits went through the, through the roof. And that's another big part of it. And I think for a lot of people is just awareness of the numbers and looking at the bottom line margins and realizing that just buying something for 50 and selling it for 100 is not so easy. It's a very tight place to be. And you'd be shocked at at what some of the margins, especially for online businesses are. And and they're literally, they're going bankrupt the nickel at a time. It's just that they're losing money on every single order, practically.
0: Yeah, if you think about the majority of business owners out there, too, um, we we all think about growing the top line, which is revenue and sales. And uh, it's it it real. I mean, the whole concept behind profit first is it's really right on the right cue, and that is stop running around like a maniac trying to grow your sales, and you know, grow your profits right? And what what an outcome of that might be to increase your revenue, but it also will be to reduce your costs. We would all like to get more out of our day, more out of our company by doing less, right? Exactly.
1: So let's just take an example. Let's say you're a million dollar business owner, right? You got a million dollars in revenue and you're making a hundred thousand in profit. And so conventional wisdom is, well, I want to make 200000 in profit. Okay, go do $2 million. Well, going from a million to two million is a lot of work. Yep. And what I do is I sit down with these business owners, I go, hey, can we, can we figure out a way to raise prices by 10%? Because if you just raise prices by 10%, which a lot of business owners are hesitant to do all of a sudden, your profit went from 100000 to 200000 and you didn't do one extra thing but raise your prices. Then we take it a step further, and we go, hey, can we look at waste in your business? Can we figure out a way to cut costs by 10%? Every business can cut costs by 10%. There is so much wastage in your business, it's not even funny. We cut costs by 10%, and now my $100,000 profit turned into $300,000 in profit, And I didn't work any harder. And that's what we want. We want people to think that way because it's much easier to do that than to try and go from a million to 2 million in revenue.
0: Yeah. And the other thing too is let's say, would you rather have a $10 million business that's doing uh, a million dollars in profit? Or would you rather have a $5 million business that's doing a million dollars in profit? right you you would in most cases, you're going to want the five million dollar business at doing a million dollars in profit, right um it, you know and and when you know there there's can be an argument for scale on a different avenue for a couple of different reasons, but uh you really want to make more money than uh that that uh, based on lower revenue. is that accurate to say?
1: it it is i'm assuming that when you go you're saying that to do 5 million versus 10 million takes a lot more work and effort yeah and so if that is the case i would much rather do a lot less work there's there's actually a lot of stories of business owners who have redone their business models lost 80% of revenue and make the same amount of money Because they got rid of all of the overhead with the unprofitable things that they were doing. So they're working less and making the same, if not more, all the headaches are gone. Like, why do we make life difficult? Try and simplify everything. And and as you said, I'd rather have the smaller business that's making more money with less headache.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing too, um, the realization that most people don't have when they get in business is they don't they, they, you get in, you're a visionary. You're most people are entrepreneurs. 99% of are optimists, right? Um, you wouldn't do that if you, if you weren't, if you weren't an optimist, you probably wouldn't go into business. Um, but you, you tend to like the old adage, drink your own Kool-Aid. And you think that this $500,000 business that you have, you know, is going to be a $50 million business. And the fact of the matter is, at some point, and and the fact of the matter is, is the reality of small businesses is that you're always going to be small. Now, you may not be a $500,000 business, you know, maybe you'll be a $3 million business a couple of years down the road, but you have to set reasonable expectations for how much you really can grow. and And I think by moving more toward a profit first model those expectations that you're going to be a 20 million 50 million dollar business uh gets a little bit more um what's the right word uh clarified uh, uh you know that and and even if that's what your goal is you still need profits to potentially get to that point anyway. All right. I mean, I mean, it becomes a lot of complicated I always felt that the product that you're selling or the service that you're in, uh, will often dictate, um, how, how big you're going to grow. Right. And that's what I'm really saying. Right. Uh, and I know that from a couple of businesses I was in. I one of the businesses I was in was an IT staffing business. So we would staff consultants. I got it was my actually my uh, my second business, good business. I you know and I got it to about six million dollars in revenue with really good profit margins. And um, but that business because of the people you know, the requirement for me to have really great technical recruiters working for me, it was never going to be a $30 million company. It just wasn't. And so if if I had used the profit first model of focusing on the profit, I wouldn't have tried to build it from 6 million to 12 million, you know, and in a short period of time. So, um, when you have, uh, what oh the only other thing I wanted to cover here, which something you said before, Rocky, and that is, you know, you were giving the statistic about how, how people don't look at their numbers. Let's just make this clear. You should be looking at your your the it's the the the, the industry, uh it's called a profit and loss statement, but the reality is called an income statement. Okay. Uh QuickBooks has made it famous for calling it a profit and loss statement, but the fact of the matter is what it's called is an income. To, To start off with, Rocky, would you agree that a business owner should be looking at his profit and loss statement and his balance sheet every single month?
1: Absolutely. Every single month, you need to look at those two reports. And I think the biggest problem is most people focus on the income statement hardly anybody looks at the balance sheet. Yes. The money is made on the balance sheet, yes. not in the income statement. Yes. So, you know, a level 1 business owner is running his business on the income statement. A level 2 business owner is running their business on the balance sheet. Good. And and how do I grow my balance sheet appropriately? Which is to grow the asset side of it in, and the retained earnings, not so much to, to grow the liability side of it, but most people don't know how to read those reports. They don't know what to look at and they don't look at. So when I look at my client's, uh, statements, we're in the month of November, I'm looking at 11 months of, of side-by-side income statements, side-by-side, uh, balance sheet. And I'm looking for changes across every line item and where's the money coming and going and how is it changing? And I think, you know, and this kind of goes back to something we said earlier that I want people to think about. If you have a 10% margin in your business, right? 10% profit margin. And you go out and you spend $100,000 additional, you need a million dollars in revenue to be able to afford that $100,000. And I don't think most people understand that ratio. And because of that, they spend too quickly. I spent 100 grand and I brought in 100 grand. We're even. No, you're not you need to, if you've got a 10% profit margin and you spend a hundred grand on something new, you need a million dollars in revenue. And that is a lot of work. And I think that's where we get lost is, is that differential between what we're spending and what we're actually getting into. Yeah.
0: And I like a share with my early on in my career too. It's like, if you're giving your clients terms and, you know, (laughs) I, I remember the mistake I made, I'm looking at my, um, but well, would showed up in my income statement, but first uh, it would show up on your balance in sheet. your balance sheet. Uh, but you know what happened is I would see my accounts receivable go up because we're making lots of sales, but yet my collections were taking sixty days. so you know that's where i I was very young at the time, and then I got that screwed up. I'm like, well, you know, I don't understand we have we we have a million dollars in sales uh this month, and uh, let's say, hypothetically and and I see my accounts receivable is at $2.5 million and I'm cash poor. Uh, and it's because my accounts are out account receivable. So the first objective was let's get those terms way down, right? Um, but so I, so I like what you said too about the second thing, which is my recommendation too, which I know Rocky's is too, is don't be scared of the balance sheet and the income statement that you don't understand what they mean. You'll, once you start looking at them and make it a, a monthly practice, you'll start getting an idea of what, how, how those statements, what they mean. You can Google it. You can ask Rocky. You know, there's, you can go, you can go over it with your accountant. It's really simple. It's not complicated, especially for smaller businesses. Um, and so don't get, uh, you know, turned off by the idea that you don't understand what retained earnings is or, or some of these other things. Um, you, you, if you want to get to the next phase as a business owner, which is, uh, you know, phase two or phase three, you're going to want to understand your income statement, your balance sheet, what it all means. Right. And the, and then the third thing that I would go into, which, you know, which I did, uh, well too, which I'm sure Rocky would agree, is uh, I used to have a business coach. And so we we would do uh, – I, I was already good at – I was good at implementing this already, but she refined it and we used uh, KPIs on an Excel spreadsheet. So KPIs are key performance indicators, which were certain numbers that I always wanted to track. So, a, you know, and I wouldn't go overboard with it. Like I wouldn't have a hundred numbers. I'd have 10 to 20 numbers maybe, but early on, maybe just a couple. So like an example of key performance indicators for me would be the margins. What were my margins? Because that was such an important number. It was a difference between success and failure. Uh, so that was a KPI where I want to see where, you know, on an Excel document. And I would keep all of those month by month and I would keep it year by year so that I can look back at them. So for me, it was like KPI was profit margin, accounts receivable turn, like how quickly did I, that was a term I used, but uh, it's it's not an industry term. I don't think uh, it's well known by people when you say that, but it's like, uh, how quickly am I collecting my money? You know, uh, I'm not talking about the businesses I'm in right now, but I'm talking about this, some of these other businesses I had started. Uh, so Rocky, would, are you in agreement with that as well, that KPIs is, is like level three business owner or next?
1: <laughs> it, it is. That's the deeper dive into the numbers. And if you truly understand your balance sheet, then you're doing those types of things. I will tell you, COVID has really caused a lot of people to get into bad situations. So for example, if you're in the construction business in 2020, and you were not keeping track of your margins and your costs, you would be building decks or building houses, and you were actually losing money because your prices were changing so fast. And so you've got to keep on top of that. And then I've got businesses, they finally got that under wraps after the first three to six months. And then I'm like, well, what about your labor? You're paying everybody so much more. Have you adjusted your pricing to handle that? They're like, no. So, knowing those metrics on a monthly basis, looking at your inputs and seeing what they are and making sure you're keeping track of that is so, so important. And when it comes to accounts receivable, every day that you are not paid, you are less likely to get paid. People who don't pay you in 30 days, the percentage of chances of them paying you continues to go down and down and down. If you're going to be a bank, and loan people money, you should get interest. You should think of it that way. You, I, I do my best to get all my clients as much as possible not to have accounts receivable. Like figure out how you change your business model to get paid up front, even if you take a little bit less money. Because if you're not watching your AR and you're not, hey, this guy's 90 days out. And usually the conversation then is, yeah, we're never going to get that money you've got thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars going out the door because you don't have good collections processes in place. Sometimes it's as simple as making sure they got the invoice. Like if you're dealing with large dollar amounts and, and irregular sales, when you send the invoice, pick up the phone and call and say, Hey, Did you get the invoice? Are you happy with everything? Is it in the right format that it will go through and get paid for you? Sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't even see the invoice. Or maybe it got lost. Maybe it went to the wrong person. If you're doing business consistently with people, you know who never gets any respect? Is the accounts payable people at these companies. They get yelled at all the time. You haven't paid me. You haven't paid me. Be nice to that person. And guess who comes to the top of the list for getting paid? The one person who occasionally says thank you, maybe sends them, you know, a small gift and and makes them their friend. You've got to have a good accounts receivable systems and processes in place, or you're essentially, you're throwing money out the door. And I'm shocked at how many business owners Yeah, it's,
0: um, I think it's. You know, quite honestly, it's it's a little naive, Tay, uh, and also when you're not getting your AR, your accounts receivable paid, um, uh, you know. Uh, and the second thing is, it's it's an easy thing to fix. Uh, when we went from, we were getting our AR out at about sixty days, um, and and uh, paid at sixty days, and and uh, we were able to get it down to thirty one days. And it was only because we got our team together and we just brainstormed on all these different ideas about how to do it. Like, you know, one of the simplest ones was like, do we know the right person who's supposed to get the invoice? Right. Do we know their Mm -hmm. name? Okay. Do we know their process of how they pay invoices? Um, Do we have a process of, of um, escalation for when something, you know, do we, when, do we call, when do we, do we call them, uh, you know, if it's due net 30, do we call them in net 20 to make sure they have the invoice and it's in queue, right? What happens after 31 days, it hasn't been paid, you know, know, all these other things. We had a good case study with a, a good friend of mine who owned a home entertainment business. And, um, In other words, he installed these big home entertainment systems, and these were rather big systems. And he had a big AR problem. And we would we said to him, "This is early on when you could just it just you know why don't we said why didn't you just ask clients for their credit cards, you know, because he was billing billing them through an invoice." And these are homeowners. And we're like, why don't you just ask for a credit card? And his response was, well, they, they don't want to pay up front for the job. And, and we would say, okay, we'll say we will you, – your credit card will get um, done, hit when it's 25% done, the job. It will get another 25% jump when 50% of the job is done, so on and so forth. His AR problem went away. You know, but my point saying is addressing AR is an achievable goal. So that's part of your sales process, right? Yes. If I'm
1: in that home theater business, I'm going to go to somebody and say, your home theater is $11,000. However, if you give me a credit card right now, it's only $10,000. They're going to hand you the credit card. (laughs) And it's just in how you present it. and if you can get paid up front, get paid up front. And, and it's, it's very much the way it, it's got to be. And you have to keep track of, of who owes you and making sure on a weekly basis that somebody in your organization is keeping track of it. Because otherwise you get in trouble. Right.
0: Why, why did clients typically end up coming to you? I mean, like, what is the impetus uh, that you often hear when they initially call you?
1: So what he, my ideal client is the person who says, I would rather spend the weekend listening to my mother-in-law than look at that P and L statement. <Okay? laughs> they, they are just the kind of people who they in numbers just don't get along and it's mutually, you know, agreeable but they want to run their business. So here's the thing. I I was always like, I had a big aha moment. I assumed if you were a business owner that you went into business because you understood business. And I was like, oh my God, none of these people are business owners. They all have something that they love to do and they want to go do it. And they don't actually understand accounting and they don't want to be accountants and they don't want to look at this stuff. And that's perfectly fine but somebody on your team has to sit in that seat. And to me like spreadsheets are like they're stories to me. Like I can look at a spreadsheet and see a story. The numbers talk to me. It's what I love to do. And so it's a perfect fit to 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 work together because I'm looking at those things and then I'm bringing them awareness. Did you know your AR is up this month? How do we put better procedures in? Did you know that, you know, your cost of goods skyrocketed this month? What changed? What happened? Um, And a lot of times I'm bringing them information ahead of time. So if we're in the building business, it's like, hey, how can we put systems and processes in or how do we change the way that we price ourselves to deal with the fact that i have no idea what's going to happen in in the in the market for wood how am i supposed to to bid this out well we come up with cost plus contracts then if you can't if you can't figure it out then your client has to take the brunt because your margins are too small for you to take a loss like that and there were a lot of businesses that went through covid that struggled because of that because they didn't think about all those types of things. When life is good, nobody cares. Money's flowing. Everything's wonderful. But business is like a roller coaster. You are going to get sucker punched. And the people who used profit first, when we were talking last year in March and April, I would hear comments like, I never understood why I needed a vault account. Now I understand. They were like, "Okay, I don't know what's gonna happen with Covid, but I got six months of cash flow. I can figure out what's next in six months. I can pivot and And that's the kind of stuff I help people to do is build that solid financial foundation underneath
0: that. It would be great to statistically put numbers behind it, but I don't you know, I don't think we can. But based on the same industry, to look at the 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 companies that were under a certain revenue, that survived COVID and versus the ones that use the profit first model that survived COVID, right? It would be, you know, cause I think, I, I mean, I always like build it using data to base on uh, uh, a theory. I, I just like doing that, but it's just so obvious in my mind that those who implemented a profit first model had a huge advantage to survive the downturn that they might've experienced during COVID, depending on the industry that they were in, Uh, not depending on the industry, just that they, they survived it, you know, and maybe you saw it, maybe you saw it rocky firsthand. You said when people implemented this model and the thing that I've learned over this 30 years uh, of being in business is like, you are going to experience recessions and, crazy things that go on your business. You know, it's just going to happen. So when you're doing really, really, really well, just wait. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to come. And, you know, so much so that, that two of the businesses I own right now, and I have a fantastic business partner who has a lot of experience like I do, we purposely set what, what's gonna, what are we going to do when this recession hits? you know, because we knew it was going to happen. Right. And because we had just had been through that so many times, I've been through four recessions in 30 years that were major recessions, you know? And so, uh, would you agree with that Rocky?
1: Absolutely. One of the biggest things we like to do at profit first is a first we make the profit, but two, Within the company, we set profit aside to build up large vault accounts, basically so that when we get sucker punched, we just have the cash, right? It it takes all of the emotion out of it. It takes all the worry out of it. It's like, hey, we just got sucker punched. Okay, we've got a lot of money here. We can figure our way through this instead of at that point, you know, if they're trying to get money, as you well know, nobody gives you money when you need it. They give you money when you don't need it. And and at the end of the day, without cash, your business is going to not go anywhere. So having those reserves, having the emergency funds, being on a solid foundation like that is phenomenal. On top of it, when you go to borrow money, and they see that you're on a solid foundation and they can look at your business and they can see how the money is flowing because it's all so clear, it makes you more lendable. It makes you more people want to do business with you because they're like, hey, they understand their numbers. They get it. They're putting money aside. They're doing things. They've got great ratios. Everyone wants to throw money at you at that point.
0: Yeah. I would, I would just tell you that most people- uh Most businesses, owners that I deal with, they have never applied for uh, any type of financing before, and they are quite shocked at how hard it is it, to get approved. It is, you know, if you think that a bank is going to give you money based on even good cash flow or even if you have those accounts. There is not only is it really hard because what you don't, when you, what you want to realize is they want to give you money if you have collateral to back it up, but it's also quite expensive. Uh, if you want to, you know, and most people don't, you know, they're, when they're, when they're going to use, like, I, you know, I've been with banks for a long time and my own businesses and I have been shocked at what they look at and uh how hard it is to get approved so and i'm not selling i'm not saying that because it's self-serving i'm selling i'm telling you that from that from an experience um it it is a shocking thing so you know what's the best thing to do don't borrow money you know just you know unless you have a really specific purpose do the profit first model so that you don't have to borrow the money
1: and Because of all these handouts and EIDL and and people are taking money left and right. And we have a very simple rule. If you're borrowing money, it cannot be used for daily operations. That means you've got a major problem with your business that you need to address immediately. Otherwise, it is literally a leak that you will never overcome. If you're going to borrow money, have a specific profitable reason to invest it somewhere otherwise do not spend it so i've been trying to get all my business owners if they're getting the ideal money to literally put it under lock and key because and and you know mike mike cannot be trusted with money Mm. he will spend it you give these business owners money they spend it like it's candy and it's like whoa you really have to constrain them it's it's amazing to watch
0: yeah yeah I'm curious, people, you know, you still had to pay taxes on the money that you got from the PPP money. So at the end of the year, uh, did you find, did you see that people, well, I guess you were working with them, so you were okay, but had people not planned for that? Because you have to declare it on your income statement.
1: You do, but I think they were also, they they created some loopholes so that you weren't getting hit that hard. Okay. And I don't remember what they specifically are, um, but yes,
0: there there were concerns about that in the beginning. Um, yeah, no, I th- and I yeah. think they they worked I it mean, out. You, you still had to declare it on your income statement. That was the, one of the main reasons the IRS was allowing people. Um, so people were going to get bigger tax bills, but that happened. I guess they would have paid it in April fifteenth of two twenty or whatever it is on twenty 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 one. So that, because a lot of people got the PPP money in 2020. So that, that, that problem was probably addressed already. um, As far as that goes. So, all right, well, listen, it was good discussion. It's kind of like uh, all the time we have for today. Um, I'd like to thank uh, so very much Rockley Lalvani from Profit Comes First for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend And also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS, I'm sorry, FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Rocky, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: So uh, everything can be found at ProfitComesFirst.com, and that's the website. You can schedule with me. You can listen to my podcast, Profit Answer Man, where I teach all of these principles, and you can learn and implement on your own.
0: Great. And uh, if our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas or how to you know execute your business better, I tweet daily at lessons, uh, about four lessons uh, uh, for business owners at shalasnik. And that's at at S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. Of course, that's my first initial last name. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind everybody today, if you really, really, really want to have a successful business, know your numbers. Know your numbers. And I think what Rocky told us today should be a big impetus for you to give him a call. Everybody have a fantastic day.